0: Bang! What's going on, people? We are back for another breakdown and prediction of my betting tips video YouTube live stream for UFC 297. This time we got Sean Strickland taking on Driggers Duplessis. This is a banger of a fight. It's it's funny because a few years ago you wouldn't have fought Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis for the 185 pound title. Would be a banger of a fight. You wouldn't think that. It would be a fight that was taking place for the middleweight strap. I don't think a lot of people had in their mind that Strickland would become champion. And definitely people did not have in their mind that Drickus Duplessis would be fighting for the title and maybe becoming champion. But here we are, 2024. It's a new year. And I'm excited to get into it. I'm going to go through the entire main card. If you want the prelim breakdown, you can go to my website, lucrativemmabetting.com. Follow me on all the socials as well, because I give out a lot of information about all fights throughout the week. If you follow me on Instagram, you've been seeing my daily prediction videos. I post a prediction video every single day. You can go to Instagram for that, at Lucrative MMA. So you've been seeing a lot of content from me this year, and we're back. I'm super happy to be back. I'm going to bring up the card. This is going to be a good card, and the reason is because it's the first pay-per-view of the year, And also, because there's some good fights, man. We've got Malcolm Gordon versus Jimmy Flick. Bang, bang. Jasmine Jazadevicius, Priscilla Cachuera, Bang, bang. I mean, the first three fights of the night. Like, I know this pay-per-view is catching a lot of flack from people in the industry. But, like, I'm just happy to be back. And I think the pay-per-view card is better than last week. So, like, I'm happy because it's an improvement. And some of the fights are bangers, man. Charles Jourdain versus Sean Woodson is going to be a banger. I'm 100% sure it's going to be an exciting fight. Arnold Allen, Evloev, that's a very, very high-level fight. Like, yes, okay, it's not the best pay-per-view of all time, but this is a good pay-per-view. Like, I'm just happy to have UFC back, man, honestly. I'm going to shout out everybody here we got. And if you're here, let me know. I'll give you a shout out. We got 40 live viewers, but only three comments. So wagwan with that, boys. Shout me out in the comments. Say you're ready to rock and roll. And let's get into making some money today. Turton was saying he was able to bring in fifteen plus units on the last card for a profit of put four point five unit. I don't know what that means. Would have been twenty five if Nolan got the win. Yeah, Nolan, man. They know it's contender series, guys. Get coming off. I guess that happens, right? Blood Force MMA. Shout out to you, my man. He bet against both of the guys their last fights. James the Man. Raj Sharma saying what's up. Lagging fixed. I haven't fully fixed it. I was on the phone to my internet service provider earlier today. It's not fully fixed, but the audio is completely fine at all times, and that's why I've got the other visual up for you there. So even if it does lag, the audio won't lag. The stream's gonna go perfect. Shout out to my man Sean Hanning. Let's go. Can't wait to hear my thoughts on the main. We got Riffraff, the Riffraff in here. Shout out to Riffraff, Theo Von's brother. If you know, you know. Let's go. Let's get into it, boys. So, last week we came back, and it was a very good week. It was the first fight card of the year, and it was the first betting weekend of the year in terms of the sport that I bet on MMA. I also bet on many other sports, but MMA is my main sport, where my main analysis is, where I got my name from, shall we say, where I made the most of my money ever. It's MMA. And last weekend was the first betting weekend of the year for mma we came back with a bang premium subscribers got access to my lfa tips we went 2-0 on lfa that was for a profit of plus 5.43 units then we also profited on the ufc card for a profit of plus 1.8 units so it was over a seven unit weekend overall the ufc you know I was just very happy to get a win on the first card of the year. You know, it just shows me that this is going to be the year that we're going to smash. Like I really, really believe that I'm going to have the best year I've ever had. So let's see, man. First pay-per-view of the year. Hopefully we can follow on the winning ways from last week to this week. And let's get into it, boys. Without further ado, first fight of the main card, Arnold Allen versus Movzar Evloev. This is a good fight, high-level fight. Arnold Allen is a very, very good technical striker. We saw that in the Max Holloway fight because we know how good Max Holloway is. So Arnold Allen, even though he lost that fight, he proved something to me and a lot of people in that fight in the fact that he went five rounds for the first time in the UFC, didn't slow down at all, was actually pushing Max in those later rounds, potentially winning a couple of them, and most certainly kept up with the technical ability of Max to which one of the best strikers in the entire division. Only Alexander Volkanovsky has a claim to be better than Max Holloway as a technical striker in the division, or at least as an effective striker. You know, Max is very technical. People often underrate how technical Max is. But I do also agree that his main attribute is physicality, durability, and pace and pressure. It's not actually the technical aspect. But that's just because his pace, pressure, and durability is so high. His technical acumen in the striking is actually elite for MMA. Very, very elite. So, you know, Arnold Allen showed me a lot in that last fight. Mobsar Evloev, on the other hand, the guy's just been winning, 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 winning. I mean, he's 17-0, and guys. If I scroll down here and show you his full record, he's 17-0 and from Russia. A wrestler. Never been defeated. I mean, the guy is a beast, man. We've got Russia against England here. Ingushetia versus Felix Stone. They're both the exact same age. They're literally—I mean, how many days? They're literally three weeks apart from each other. Same age, same height, same reach, same weight. Basically, it's very close, right? One inch or two inches in the height and reach of. I mean, these guys are very similar. Massive record: seventeen and zero versus nineteen and two. I mean. These guys are very equally matched on the statistics side, except for a few things, man, if we speak about the statistics, because like I always say, guys, what we need to be doing when we're looking at the stylistic, what we need to be doing when we're looking at an MMA matchup is not only looking at the statistics, but we look at three things. Statistics is one of those things. The other things we look at is stylistics. And the last thing we look at is intangibles. And I don't say last meaning that it's not as important because actually it can be the most important. They're all as important as each other. Different fights mean other things are more important in in those individual fights. In this fight, maybe the statistics are the most important. I don't know. We'll look into it. In, an, in another fight, maybe the stylistics are important. But the only three things you ever have to look at when you're betting on MMA, when you're capping a fight, is these three things, right? And if we look into the statistics, like I've just told you, right? Everything is the same when we look at the topology stats, which is right here, right? But if we go and actually if we actually look at the stats a little bit deeper and start looking at things like takedown accuracy and takedown defense, well then the stats tell a slightly different picture because Movzar Evloev shoots a lot of takedowns, right? A lot of takedowns. And one thing that I've seen in Arnold Allen's game is that I don't quite love the way he looks when he's been being put on the back foot and he's not dictating where the fight goes in the grappling. So if we go over to ufcstats.com and we look at Movzar Evluev, we can see that he averages 4.71 takedowns every 15 minutes. That's very high for the UFC not a lot of people are hitting basically five takedowns every 15-minute fight they're in. That's a high, high takedown average. He's only getting 50% of the takedowns he shoots. So you might think, oh, he's, doesn't, he's not very good at takedowns. He only gets the half of the takedowns he shoots. Now, the thing about that is that we have to look a little bit deeper into it. That's why statistics are not enough. If we look deeper into it, we can see that Mobsar Evloev is a chain wrestler, right? That means that he sometimes abandons shots or almost even half-heartedly takes a shot because he's setting up his next shot. He's chaining takedowns together. So the 50% takedown accuracy rating doesn't mean as much to me as it would on another fighter who just shoots blast doubles or singles like a traditional American wrestler. And the reason for that is because of what I said, right? Movzar chains the takedowns together flu- very fluidly. So yes, he might only get one in every two. He might only get 15%, uh 50% of his takedowns. But what that means is that he's actually, I mean, the reason is because he doesn't mind missing one to get the next one, right? And that's what chaining takedowns comes to. So if you go back and look at his fight, he's got at least one takedown. In every single fight he's fought, except for the Mike Grande fight. But he specifically didn't try and get a takedown in that fight. If we look, he actually shot no takedowns. But why? Because his opponent, Mike Grande, was shooting 15, right? So I could go off the deep end here about Movzai Evlo and takedown ability and stuff. And we can get into the weeds on that, right? I can sit you here for 15 minutes and tell you about Movzai's takedowns and tell you about the technical trips he likes to do, how he transitions from the single to the double to the body, whatever it is. I'm not gonna do that. I just wanted to bring up the fact that Movzar, although some of his takedown stats are not that impressive, 50% takedown accuracy, there's a big reason for that, right? It's because of his chain wrestling. And the reason I wanted to bring up that is to now flow onto my next point. Just how Movzar flows into takedowns, I'm gonna flow seamlessly into my next point, And that is that. Since Movzar shows a very good ability to chain takedowns together, with chain wrestling I think that's going to be a big big problem for Arnold Allen I think Arnold Allen can stop the initial shot because if we go to Arnold Allen's takedown accuracy and his takedown defense we see that his takedown defense is 76 percent. that's a high takedown defense right most fighters are not getting takedowns on it I mean we have to go all the way back to 2018 to find a guy who took him down no one's taken him down since 2018. But that guy took him down six times, Mads Burnell, who is a similar fighter to Evlo in that he will shoot multiple takedowns. He won't just shoot one, right? Because a lot of these fighters who he's fighting after that, yeah, maybe they shoot one, but they ain't showing multiple. But most of the guys actually have been fighting strikers. Now, the only other fight since 2018 where a fighter's actually tried to shoot multiple takedowns is in the Nick Lentz fight. And this is a fight where I go back and watch it and I see that Nick Lentz shot many takedowns, nine takedowns, and he couldn't get any. But Nick Lentz is not on the level of Movzai Evloev. In fact, when Movzai Evloev fought Nick Lentz, Nick Lentz tried to take him down five times and he only got one of them. Whereas Movzar, he shot twice and he got two. And, you know, he he looked fairly clean in that fight. He lost one round, but it was a decent fight for both guys. We see Arnold Allen landed 63 strikes on him. Movzar Evlo have landed 82 strikes on him, right? So you think of Allen as this striker, but Movzar can strike too because a lot of people are worried about his takedown ability. But like I was saying, right? allen has got 76 takedown defense, 76% takedown defense, but it's a little bit skewed by the Nick Lentz fight. And considering the fact that we have to go back very, very far to see when guys have dominated him in the grappling. I mean, that Mads ben fight, he was losing, and that was strictly by takedowns. In the Maquan-Amikani fight, that was a close fight. Split decision, as you can see, right? Like, I thought Allen deserved to win the fight, but like it was still a close fight in the fact that most of his other fights, he's blowing them out of the water. So the two fights where he really struggled in the UFC outside of the Max Holloway fight, which was his only loss, was fights where he got taken down. And what's Evloev going to do? He's going to try and take him down. What I'm trying to say, guys, is that Alan hasn't really faced the test like this for a long, long time. Whereas I do kind of feel like Evloev has faced the test like this his entire career. Now, maybe not at the level, but I mean, Hakim Dawadu, the guy's got decent takedown defense. But Evloev got him down nine times. Dan Ige has good takedown defense. It's not terrible, right? Movzar got him down nine times, right? Diego Lopez, very dangerous on the feet. Mobs took him down four times out of all the submission attempts. So, I mean, even Sung Woo Choi. I mean, Sung Woo Choi is, 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 is not good on the ground, but it's it's the similar archetype is what I'm saying, guys, right? Where Alan has faced the archetype with Burnell and Amir Khani, but they're nowhere near on the level of Evluev. But that's fine because Evluev's opponents are not on a level of Alan's either. But... The thing is that Evluev has never struggled with the archetype. He dominated Dan Ige, he dominated Hakeem Dawadu, he dominated Sungwoo Choi. Whereas Alan, when he's fought a similar archetype, he hasn't dominated them, guys. He's struggled with them. Makwan Amakani and Mads Burnell. So that's how I'm seeing the fight. Again I could sit here in front of you for 15 20 minutes and break down the fight and I know some people like that technicality wise and I have done that right but what I'm saying is that it's such an intriguing fight and I know both fighters so well and I've done so much tape for this fight over years and over last week because I tape one week early that's why I can do a that's why I can do a video in front of you now when most people haven't even done their tape yet because I tape a little bit earlier these days but because I know the fight is very well, I can go fully in depth on them, right? But I'm not going to do that here. I mean, I've gone in depth already. I mean, we're speaking about this fight for over ten minutes. But what I'm trying to say is that the main thing standing out to me, and that's what I tried to do. I tried to give you the main points standing out to me, not to go on a 45 minute breakdown of the fight, which I can do. I can technically break down this fight for you. You know, maybe I'll start doing that once a week for certain certain fights if I if I really feel the need. You know, I've done it in the past, but. What I try to give to you is the key pointers. Because I'm trying to not waste your time. I'm trying to give you the key pointers and the things standing out to me above all. And something that's standing out to me above all is that Movzar Evloev's chain wrestling is going to be successful in this fight. And also that the archetypes that Alan has fought on the Evloev side he struggled with and the archetypes that has fought on the Allen side He's, he's blasted through. So I think that we see that again. I think Evlo is just a little bit too much for Arnold Allen. I don't think Arnold Allen is going to respond well to being put on the back foot and being taken down multiple times. He may respond well early, but I believe that in round two and round three, he's not going to respond the best. I think that the cardio is going to come into play. The cardio that we saw in a couple of the fights in Allen's career is going to come into play where he was kind of fading a little bit. He looked like he was fading that Burnell fight, even though he got a third-round submission. He looked like he was fading in that fight to me. And I watched it back recently, and I do believe that that was the case. And it seems like when the grappling gets going, he fades a little bit, guys. So, I mean, even in the Sadiq Yusuf fight, outside of a couple of... And I bet him in that fight, right? As an underdog. And I bet his, I bet his decision line as a big, big underdog, like plus 400 decision line or something. But outside of those two strikes in, I think it was round one and two, where he kind of dropped Sadiq and wobbled him bad, he was losing that fight. He was getting grappled a little bit. And when I say grappled, he wasn't getting taken down. But Sadiq was putting the pace and pressure on him. I remember they was clinching a little bit. And I just didn't love the way he looked in the fight with a high pace guy. Like I said, with a high-pressure guy. Sadiq doesn't have a high pace, but he has a lot of pressure, physicality. And I believe that not only does Movzar have the physicality, because he does have that. He doesn't have like amazing physicality like Sadiq, but he does have physicality. But I think he has the pace and pressure. And I've been saying it a lot last year, and I'm saying it this year. And I believe that we see this term coined a little bit over the next 12 months. I believe that a lot of people are going to start saying what I've been saying for about a year now. I think you'll start hearing that in the MMA circles over the next six to 12 months or so. And that is that. A the meta in MMA these days, right, the way to win fights, the best style is pace, pressure, tenacity, and durability, right? It's very, very hard to beat that style. We saw Joshua Van take out Felipe Bunez simply based on pace, pressure, tenacity, and durability. It wasn't based on skill set because Bunez was landing the much better strikes throughout the fight. It was just that Bunez couldn't take what was coming back. He couldn't keep up with the pace. He didn't have the cardio or the pace or the output or the pressure or the durability or the tenacity to keep up with Van, who was the inferior martial artist when you're talking about skill set for skill set, right? If they fought for two and a half minutes in every discipline, Bunez wins basically every single fight that they fought. But when you put it into an MMA fight, where things like grit, durability, tenacity, pace, and pressure come into it, Van is the meta, Joshua Van. People like Joshua Van, Peyton Talbot is another one. Um, what else we got? Movzar Evloev is similar. He's got durability, he's got pace, he's got pressure, tenacity, not as much physicality and durability. We haven't seen yet, I'm not 100%, but most certainly he's got the pace, pressure, and tenacity. Side of things, and that's what wins fights, guys. And yeah, that's what you know Sean is saying PPTD that's pace, pressure, tenacity, and durability. And man, it's very hard to beat fighters like that. So, overall, guys, I like the fight a lot, spent a lot of time on it as I wanted to do. And I'm picking Movzart everywhere for the win. I think he's going to get a win, I think that he's going to get a decision win. I don't think he's going to finish Arnold Allen. And that's my breakdown for the fight, guys. I'm very excited for the fight. It's a very high-level fight, so you never want to count out the opponent. But I just think it's a good stylistic matchup for Evluev based on the stylistics and the intangibles. So, you know, I think intangibly it's a good matchup for him and stylistically it's a good uh, matchup for him. Statistically, it's about 50-50. It's about even. I don't give anyone a massive rating over the other, but stylistically and intangibly, massive massive edges for Mavzai Evluev there, in my opinion. So we'll see how it plays out, guys. Again, I said high-level fight, things can happen, but I do pick Movzar Evluev fairly confidently in that one. The next fight is Chris Curtis versus Marc-Andre Barial. So just like I said in the last fight, I had a fairly confident read on Evluev. I don't have a confident read on this fight. I think it's a good fight. I think it's potential to be like a banger, like a really, really good fight, maybe fight of the night. I mean, if Curtis doesn't knock you out, like he's going to go to war with you. It probably will be fired at night. I have, to, I'm, I'm in two minds of this one, guys. And I'm actually going to flip it back to you and ask you your opinions. If you're watching it live, please put your opinions in now. If you're watching it post live, if it's not live right now, please put your opinions in the comments because I'm actually very interested to see what people think. And I'm going to speak to a couple of my guys in my network that I trust, which is very few and far between. I'm not going to be watching videos of other content creators and stuff until you know I finalize my predictions and picks, which I haven't fully finalized yet. I will be placing more bets later in the week, as I always do, as the lines move, as my thought process changes, as I watch a little bit more tape. And then maybe I'll start watching other people's stuff, but I will still read your comments. And I want to know this, guys, what do you think about the under here? Because part of me... It's like both guys are really durable. So I like the over in that regard. But I actually like the under in terms of what type of fight it's going to be. I think it's going to be a bit of a car crash. I can't see anyone slowing the pace down, is what I should say. Curtis is going to meet him in the middle and Mark's going to push to the middle, right? And it's funny because I did a prediction video earlier in the week and Again, I said you can go to lucrative MMA on Instagram. Follow me there, and you can find it. I think I'm putting it out today. It might not be up there. Definitely follow me on there so you can see it. And what I said is that, like overall, guys, I'm picking Chris Curtis to win via decision. But I actually feel like I might be leaning more to an underplay in here, even though my prediction is Chris Curtis decision. And that's just because I think it's going to be a war. Like, I really think this fight is going to be, I think it's going to be exciting, man. I think Chris Curtis is going to dig to the body. I think Barry is going to be there to be hit. But I think Barry is going to push the pace and pressure. And I think at points he's going to have damaging shots, man. I can see Barry Alt doing work in the clinch power bar like he always does in the clinch. I mean, when I was taping this fight, every single fight I saw, outside of maybe the chiddy one, you know, like most fights that I watched out of this guy. He's pushing him up against the fence and just uppercutting the fuck out of him. Like, he does it to everyone. And I can't really see Curtis being a smaller middleweight at 5'10". I can't really see him avoiding that unless he knocks Burial out. But I think the Burial's going to cam- have to come through some shit to get there. So first of all, I don't have a good read on it, as you can see. But it's a very interesting and exciting one for me. And I'm actually enjoying speaking about this more because I'm- I don't know what's going to happen. I'm less confident in this. So I actually like talking about it because right now my mind's working. My mind's firing on all cylinders. And I'm just speaking out loud and giving you my off the top of the head thoughts. Whereas Evlo and Allen, I was pretty locked into that fight before. I had my read. I knew what I was going to say. I knew my prediction. In this fight, I'm, I'm going back and forth, guys. I'm kind of like just freestyling as we speak because when I watch tape, it didn't give me a definitive prediction on the fight. and You know, I'm comfortable enough to say that. I don't have a definitive prediction on this fight. So I'm going to look at the lines now. We can see for the under 2.5 it's 125, and for the over 2.5 is minus 155. If this fight goes over, I think it's a burial versus and the situation, right, where the fight was a bit of a car crash, but it managed to go over. If we go back and look at his last fight, it went to a decision unanimous. But it was a bit of a car crash, especially in the first round. I mean, both fighters hurt each other. I feel like that could happen here. So I don't really want to play the under because I feel like it can go to decision because both guys are so durable and neither fighter has like high level finishing instincts. In my opinion, both fighters are very durable and neither fighter has a high level finishing instincts. I think when guys like when burial gets to finish, just because his opponent gives up basically because of the pace and pressure. And I don't really think Curtis will give up because I think he's durable. Not that it can't happen. I'm just saying like more than likely, I don't think so. But then when Chris Curtis gets finishes, it ain't really because he's like hurt his man. He's stalking him. He's teeing off. The pace is just, it's, it's getting too much. The pressure's piling up. The damage is piling up. And then he finds the finishing blow. The killer instinct. Not really. He's just catching like one punch knockouts. You know what I mean? Like Joe Quinn Buckley kind of just caught him once and finished it. Brendan Allen kind of just caught him once and finished it. Phil Hawes, he just caught him once. Right. I don't really think he has this type of style where he's a very, very it's like he's got one punch power, right? Or amazing finishing instincts in regard like he hurt you once and then he knocks you out. He does have good finishing instincts in that if you if you're very, very rocked, they'll get you out of there. But he doesn't have good finishing ability in that the initial strike, right? So I'll reword that a little bit because I do think his finishing instincts is are good. So I'm gonna reword what I said. It's not that his finishing instincts are bad. It's that his finishing ability is always capped because I don't really think he hits that sharp. Maybe he hits hard like on the pads or something, but I don't think he's very sharp. He doesn't have stinging power, right? Like Chidi Anjokwani or Hamzat Chemaev. He doesn't have stinging power like those guys. He has more like true power but I think you need stinging power to knock out Mark Andre Barriot more often than not. I don't really think Curtis is going to like land damage after damage and damage and power bars going to quit. So I'll make that slight distinction on what I said there. Hopefully I explain myself well. But basically, guys, I think this is going to be a complete car crash. But both guys are tough enough to last. So don't know what to do with it. I'd be inclined to bet the under two and a half at plus one twenty five because at plus money. I'm getting some edge on it, I believe. But I think I'm just going to pass this fight, guys. I'm going to go for Chris Curtis' decision in a fight-of-the-night type deal where it's just going off. Mark andre Barriel has his moments in the clinch. But Chris Curtis is landing the cleaner shots. He's way cleaner of a striker. He lands good body shots. And I do give some upside for him to finish the fight as well. I give Barriel upside. I give Chris Curtis a little bit more because I think Barrius is very, very hittable. So yeah, that's it, guys. I'm going to pick Chris Curtis for the decision win there. But it's going to be a good fight. Grace Banner saying he loves the action man style. He's a sucker for that good body work and tight boxing. Yes, for real. Power bar. Jacob saying appreciate all the videos already this year. You're welcome, brother. If you don't know what he's referring to, I'm putting out tons of videos so far this year on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. So if you're watching on any one of those platforms right now, most certainly go to the others. Follow me on TikTok. I've got exclusive content on TikTok. That's nowhere else. Follow me on Instagram. The exact same thing. Something I'm doing this year is I'm spreading my content out over multiple platforms, but I'm also doing platform-specific content. So there's some content on my Instagram that's never going to be anywhere else. Same thing as TikTok. Never going to be anywhere else. Same thing as Twitter, right? So most certainly follow me on all platforms. And I appreciate that you appreciate it, my man. Hopefully you're getting some good value out of it. Raj is siding with Curtis. He likes the over. Um, Curtis is a slow starter. Curtis round three decision. Curtis is a counter striker. Sometimes he needs to lead the dance. This fight is about to end in another headbutt. I think Mark wins a decision. If Curtis wins, I think it's inside the distance. Curtis takes your cardio with his body shots. I like Curtis by points. Yeah, so it seems like people are kind of conflicted a little bit. Most people are liking Chris Curtis' decision, I guess. I didn't get too many comments there, but yeah, it's a good fight, guys. I'm not really going to give you a super confident prediction with this one, but I will say that Chris Curtis gets the decision win as my official prediction. What else we've got? The next fight, guys, is Neil Magny versus Mike Mallott. So I've been very vocal about Mike Mallott. I've tried to fade the guy multiple times, and He's turned out to be a bogey fighter of mine. He's turned out to be somebody who I don't have a great read on, right? So I'm going to open up now, and I'm going to be honest. I'm not good at calling Mike Malott fights. I feel like one day I'm going to get him. So there's a very important concept in MMA betting, guys, and let me tell you it now, right? It's a term that I coined ace and bogey, right? So you have ace fighters and bogey fighters. And again, I feel like in the next 12 to 24 months of MMA betting, you're going to see this, these words used a lot. So ace fighters, right, are fighters that are aces for you. You're very good at picking their fights. You're very good. Anytime they fight, you know who's going to win. Anytime they fight, you can pick who's going to win. You can pick if they win inside the distance. You can pick all of these things, right? They're an ace fighter. It's easy for you to predict the outcome of their fights. And every now and then, we get a fighter who we're really good at predicting. Same thing with bogey fighters, though. Every now and then, you get a photo, um, not a photo, you get a fighter which you are not good at predicting. I mean, yeah, you're not good at predicting their fights, right? You're bad at predicting their fights. Mike Malott has turned out to be a fighter that I'm not good at predicting his fights because I always bet against him and he always wins. I don't like Mike Malott as a fighter. I think he's got bad cardio. I think he's got shaky durability. But what he does have is output. Like he's going to go for it. What he also has is very, very good finishing instincts and high level BJJ and a lot of power. And to be honest, that does a lot in the world away division these days in the UFC, man. If you're a very good finisher, you're going to go through a lot of fighters. Mike Malott's got very good power. He's decently trained. His boxing's good. I think he can be caught in the boxing, but he's he's well trained there. He's got a lot of power and he's got very, very good jiu-jitsu, very fast jiu-jitsu. He's a very opportunistic submission guy and that's going to win you a lot of fights, right? But I don't like him as an overall fighter. I'm not going to call him a fraud, but I do think he's very overhyped. And I also believe that I believe at some point he's going to get caught. Now, Neil Magny is like the perfect test, right? But the thing about Neil Magny is just that he's looked very bad lately. And he has a glaring grappling hole, and he always has done. If someone's going to shoot takedowns on them, they're going to destroy him. So in his last fight, he got beat up bad by Ian Gary. It was kind of bad that Ian Gary hasn't finished him. But we move. Gilbert Burns insta-subbed him. Chefcat Rachmanov dominated him and subbed him. He got subbed in the grappling competition by Neto BJJ. Michael Chiesa took him down for five rounds, dominated him on the ground. I mean, the guy throughout his entire career has had trouble with fighters that take him to the ground. Mike Malott does have that in his back pocket. Mike Malott may take him to the ground or he may catch him on the feet and then sub him. Because we've seen him caught on the feet a little bit more recently as well. He seems to be getting hurt a little bit more recently. He's not taking shots as well as he was. So I feel like Neil Magny beats Mike Mallot all day three, four years ago. But even then, I have to just take that back a peg because the grappling hole was always there. The thing is, Mike Mallot don't really like consistently shoot takedowns. But I don't know, man. It's not going to take much for him to win this fight, in my opinion. Like, I don't want to bet... Mike Malott. I mean, I'm definitely not going to bet Mike Malott. I can't. I, what I should say is, I want to bet Neil Magny. I kind of want to bet Neil Magny, but yeah, I can't really do it, guys. The guy's just too old at this point. He's 36 years old. Mike Malott is in his prime at 32. Can I really bet him at this at this age? I want to bet him, guys, but I just I don't know if I can get there, man. Mike Mallott is going to maximize his win condition. He's going to walk you down. He's going to throw heavy strikes. He'll probably knock you down because he does that to almost everyone. And he will shoot takedowns where he needs to as well. He will shoot takedowns. So, yeah, I mean, when Magny goes up against these finishers, he don't do that well, you know, and Mike Mallott's a finisher here. So I'm going to predict Mike Mallott to get a submission win. Maybe he hurts him on the feet and then he jumps on a dash choke or something or jumps on a guillotine choke like he's done in many fights. That's my prediction for the fight um yeah but it's it's quite annoying um brandon saying thanks for the content as usual and can see the hard work and grind you're putting in this year good vibes all year fair thank you brother appreciate that um chose motto for last weekend well done bro i really really want to bet nil yeah so do i but it's like oh Malot's toughest test, but with a decline in Magni, Mallet by Sabia. Yeah, so annoying, man. I know one of your aces coming up. Yes, Jasmine. I read her fights very well all the time. MMA line is saying, why does everyone say Mallet has bad cardio? I feel like we haven't seen it in years. If I go to Mallet's record, which I've got up here already. Um, yes, we haven't seen it in years, but when we have seen it, it was bad. Right? So we know that. And then since then, yes. Could it have got better? It might have. But the first thing is that we can only really go on what we've seen. And I have seen it being below par. And then, so that's, the, that, that's what we've seen, right? So that's edging on the side that it's not great cardio. And then we move to all the other implications on if he's got good cardio or bad cardio, right? And one of those things is what is his fight style like? Was his fight style is throwing heavy punches and he's a finisher, right? So that archetype of fighter usually doesn't have great cardio. Now, there are some fighters that do have great cardio, almost like Davidson Figueredo. Which is funny because Davidson Figueroa like, he's known to have bad cardio, but I actually think he's got good cardio for flyweight. Does slow down a bit, but... He's the type of fighter who can push through cardio, I should say. Alejandre Pantoja is one of those guys where, like, he's got, you know, he, he hits really hard. He's a good finisher and he pushes through his cardio, even though he gets gassed out. We don't really know him a lot if he can push through yet, right? But the archetype of the fighter who he is, the early finisher who throws everything into his punches always looking for the finish versus out in this fire. That archetype usually has bad cardio, right? So that's another thing that we can put into the pot, but it's not a guarantee, right? We haven't seen it, like you said, but that's just another thing we put into the pot. Something else I see as well, Mickey goal fight. I believe that he was slowing down in the Mickey goal fight. I don't like how he looked at all in the Mickey goal fight. I don't like his breathing in that fight. And I think after, I think after two or three minutes, he was slowing down. So those three things there, Lead me to the belief that Mallet's cardio isn't good. Now, I could be wrong, but that's enough for me to say that I don't think he's got good cardio. He might do, but I don't think he does based on that. So there. And then they say, death a question, but it wouldn't be shock if he guessed. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's not a guarantee and I'm not saying it as a guarantee, but I am saying that it with enough conviction that I'm I'm happy to not call it an unknown. Like it is an unknown objectively because we haven't seen it, but I'm happy to not dismiss it. So with the unknowns in MMA betting, so I did a MMA betting principle text and a course um, and I put it out for free on Twitter and on YouTube. I'm putting it out now. And one of the things I said is in a game where we have to make guesses, we should make the least guesses as possible, right? I'm actually not putting Malik's cardio as a big unknown as a guess. Obviously, yes, objectively it is a slight guess. But I don't think it's just one of, like I have enough information based on what I said to make a prediction on it and not to completely dismiss it. Because with guesses like that, usually I completely dismiss them. You know, if the guy's just not ever shown cardio, I kind of just completely dismiss it rather than assuming that it's bad. But based on what I said, I'll assume that it's bad. I'm not gonna put 100% of my assumption onto it, but I'll say like 70%, like minus 233. Poor cardio, I would say, like around there. Just me personally, anyway. We haven't seen it, so I don't know, like you said. Grace Ban saying he likes a little sprinkle on Magni round two, three, just in case the cardio goes for Mallet and Magni is still there. Yeah, I like that. The only thing is Magni can't finish his lunch, so it's really, really annoying. Really annoying. Um, Yeah. All right, boys, the next fight we got is... Raquel Pennington versus Myra Silva. Good fight. MBS is the uncrowned champ. Obviously, she ninja choked out Holly Holm last fight, and that fight got overturned because she failed a drugs test. I'm not fully up to date on this. Can you tell me how she's fighting so soon after failing a drugs test? I would assume that she got found not guilty. But then if so, why did the fight get turned to a no contest, and why can't they turn it back so Just update me a little bit if she got found not guilty or whatnot. It doesn't make play anything into my capping because I think she's probably on it anyway. So even if they overturned it, it wouldn't mean anything to me. So if anything, I'm capping it in that she is on it because I believe she probably is. But yeah, I would just like some clarification on that if anybody knows exactly what happened. With that, she's fighting for the title here, which is like very soon after she got flagged up for... um, Taking steroids. So yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, let me know about that one, guys. But overall in this fight, I think that I think MBS should be favored here. I think she's the right, rightly favored. I think that she has way more chances to divulge, not divulge, deliver damage. And I think that's gonna be the tail of the fight. Damage. Right? I think penitent's gonna keep up with her on output and volume because it's not hard against Mara Bonasilva, but it's the same thing in Silva's fights all the time, man. Everyone wants to fade Myra Buena Silva, and everybody was betting Holly Holm in the last fight. And I was very close to betting Buena Silva, and I'm very upset. It's very close to betting her and the under. I was very, very upset I didn't do either of those, actually. It was one of the biggest, one of my biggest regrets from last year was not playing Myra Buena Silva and the under as combination bets, which I was very, very close to playing. And almost everybody I spoke to was playing Holly Holm. And there was actually two people I can specifically remember told me to play Holm, told me not to play Myra Buena Silva. And even at this stage in my career, I may have let that get into my head a little bit. And it wasn't just those two. I remember specifically speaking to two people who told me to bet Holly Holm and not to bet Myra Buena Silva when I told them I fancy Myra. But then there was like so many other people who I knew that I didn't speak to in depth, but that told me that they was better than Holly Holm as well. And I consider all of them educated people, sharp people. So I respected their opinions too much. And it's not bad to respect opinions at times. You should respect the market. The market is sharp overall. There's a reason why the market is going away. You know, a lot of people were saying that Jim Miller at minus 150 wasn't a good bet, right? But we saw that it was. Miller was just a bad matchup for Gabriel Benitez. He just had a bit too much for him. And the market showed that, right? So the market was very sharp with that line movement. So you have to respect the market because most of the time the market moves sharply, right? But overall, you know, you need to develop your own opinions. And that was a that was a bit of a regret from last year, guys, not betting on Mara Silva. And the thing is that she's underrated because she's... Usually these guys are overrated, but she's underrated because she's a finisher. And in a decision, sometimes she doesn't pull away as much as she should do. But we kind of count out the finishing ability of Myra Buenasilva. Not only the finishing ability, but the not knock, the, the knockdown and power ability, because she doesn't have any knockouts, but she hits so hard. She's knocking girls down, she's rocking girls on the feet consistently in a lot of fights. She's a good fighter, man. So In this fight, I favor Myra Brenna Silva quite heavily early. I think that she actually is, I think she's got a good chance to win the early rounds based on damage or by finishing the fight. And then I think Rocky can come into it in round four and round five, but I don't know if she's got enough to like finish Myra. Myra's cardio doesn't look the best, but I mean, it's women's bantam weight. Is it really gonna rear its ugly head in such a brutal way to where Pennington pushes such a crazy pace that she finished there? I tend to think not. I tend to think that if Myra doesn't finish her, it's probably going five rounds. I trust Pennington to do a little bit more in round four and round five, but I also believe that you know it's gonna take some doing to get there, and she's probably gonna be down three rounds to nil if she does get into round four. And even then it's not a guarantee she wins round four and round five because i believe that mara buena silva can rock her on the feet and do the bigger damage to win the round so i like mara silva decently here and i'm picking her for the for the win and i think she becomes the bantamweight champion but we don't count out rocky pennington we don't count her out completely but like she could definitely push the pace late i just just can't really see her competing that well early and then with the finishing upside on on the silver side i don't think the line is crazy to be honest But yeah i don't know i'd have to i don't exactly know what i cap it i'll have to look at it a little bit deeper but yeah i feel like pennington's gonna have to get a come from behind victory not saying it's impossible but come from behind victories you know they happen less often right? i should say like the guy who starts putting it on usually is the one to win the fight. So We'll see. The next fight of the night is the main event. is Strawn Strickland versus Drickers Duplessis. This is a banger. I ain't going to go in depth on this one, guys, because I don't have a great read on it. I said that one of my regrets of last year was not playing Myra Buenasilva in the under. But something that I don't regret, and I think one of my best bets of last year, was playing Dricker's Duplessy and Neander in his Rubber Whitaker fight. I played the under two and a half rounds at minus one thirty-five, and I played Dricker's Deep Duplessy money line at plus three hundred. I actually did a post about this earlier today, and you can go and watch it, or you can go and read the post because it's actually quite telling. It actually leads me imperfectly to a point that I want to bring up to some of you guys and to try and help you with betting on MMA and try and help you do it a little bit better. So I'll show you right now where we are. I'll bring up a tweet I did earlier about Robert Robert Whitaker's fight against um, whoever it was. Yeah, so boys, if you can see here, right? So right after Robert Whitaker's fight against Marvin Vittori, I wrote, I might be in the minority, but I thought Whitaker looked really poor in round one. Slow output, open to being hit. You can say he was downloading data, which is possible, considering round two and round three. But I'd lean on the air of him being a little bit past his prime. So basically, I said Whitaker looked poor in round two, uh, round one, and I said he's a little bit past his prime. And people lost their mind. Um, I mean, if you just scroll down, you can do it yourself. I'm not going to go through all of them. Look, I think that's one of his best and cleanest performance of recent memory. Um, you know, people are basically, look, this is a wild take. What the fuck? How would a past prime fighter look better at the end of round one? Do you consider there's a chance you could be wrong? I mean, like, people going insane. Like, there's, look, look at all of this. All of these comments are disagreeing with me, right? And then even if you look at the quote tweets, everyone's like, People were tagging uh, at MMA dumb tweets and stuff like that. But obviously in the very next fight, he looked extremely past his prime and he got completely wiped out by Drikas Duplessis. And because I had this take here, I bet on Drikas Duplessis at plus 300 and the under at minus 135. And I wrote something here, and this is something that you guys can take with you for literally the rest of your MMA betting career. I said... Posted this in 2022 and everyone went nuts. Look at the replies. But in Rob ne- Rob's next fight, he put on perhaps the worst performance of his entire UFC career. I'm glad this was a sentiment. It allowed me to get Tricker's duplicy at plus 300, which was maybe the worst betting line of 2023. The truth is people are just not good at seeing the intricacies of fighting. These are often when we get the biggest edges when betting on MMA. When we think completely differently than the market, when you have to read between the lines to notice things, always try and look for angles that other people are not seeing. They may call you stupid, but you may be able to cash plus 300s. And what I mean by that is some of my best bets of my entire career have been when everybody's saying one thing, just like in this this tweet here, but I'm saying something else. It means I'm seeing something different from the market. Now, if I was a regular guy, then yeah, okay, maybe I'm just being stupid. But I've been betting on MMA for eight years now, and I'm one of the best MMA gamblers in the world. So I can trust my read a lot better than most people, and I can see certain intricacies in fights. And what I see that Robert was slightly past his prime, that's all I said, and that, that. but people, because people couldn't see that, and I could, and I was one of the only ones, I was able to get a massive line on Drickus Duplessis in the last fight. So what that means for you is going forward, anytime you can look completely different than the market, right? When you can read, when you can look at angles that the market are not noticing, other people are not noticing, when you have to read between the lines, these are often going to be the best bets of your entire career because people are not seeing things the way you are. And if you can trust your own opinion, you may be seeing something that other people can't see. you're getting an edge over the market because the market is other people betting on the sport and then you're going to cash big bucks. So just take that into your next bet. Always try and look through different angles, try and see the intricacies, try and read between the lines. You can't do it on every fight. To be honest, there's not a lot of fights you can do it, right? But every now and then you're going to catch one where Drickis Duplessis is plus 300 against Robert Whitaker or something. And then you cash on it. So, that was one of my best bets of last year. And I was very, very happy with that bet. And it was one of the best angles. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. On the Myra Buena Silva side, you know, I, I should have bet on him. And then on the dricker's duplicy side, we should have bet on him. And we did. Um, Fuba's saying, see, I don't think Rob's washed. I do think his chin's not good. I think the ddp got a perfect playing plan to shut him down. So... If Robert Whitaker, so I'm not saying Robert Whitaker's washed, right? But he's most certainly past his prime. I think everybody would say that Robert Whitaker now is past his prime. I believe that that's common knowledge, right? But when I said it, no one knew it. Everyone was arguing, right? But that's because I was ahead of the curve. So he's still not washed. No one ever said he was washed. And it's funny that people say a little bit past his prime means washed, right? It's just funny how people interpret that. But. Anytime you can get an edge, my whole point is anytime you can get an edge over other people, look into that a little bit more. Why are you thinking differently? Don't be persuaded off, guys. Just because 30 people are telling you you're crazy, like what was happening in that tweet, don't let other people persuade you off. You may be onto a jewel. When you are on, you know, you know this term, on an island. That's a very common thing, right? On an island. When you're on an island, Oftentimes, it's a good thing. I like to be on an island. So anytime people are saying, oh, no, yeah, that's crazy. I That's good. It shows me that I'm probably correct, which is kind of crazy, but that's just how it works. And Mainline Movement is saying, I remember me and you and Liam was on DDP. Yeah, we all bet DDP. Massive, massive, massive underation, right, from the market. Very, very terrible. That was one of the worst lines of... Um, Last year, man. And it, it, it won us a lot of cash. So shout out to us for looking at things a little bit differently. So yeah, in this fight, I feel like DDP is not being underrated or overrated. I feel like the pick and price tag is warranted. I'm not saying that I cap it at pick But what I will say is that I think that the line is warranted based on the hype. Behind DDP, behind Sean Strickland, like the, the, I don't think the market's going crazy here. The market was going mad on the Robert Whitaker fight, right? Because everyone loves Robert Whitaker. Everyone loves his technicality. He's a very nice guy. He's a fan favorite. So everyone gets a little bit emotionally invested with him and then bets on him as a massive favorite against DDP, right? So it's recency bias based on his last few wins, even though I think he didn't look great in a Marvin Vittori fight. I think he looked a bit past his prime. But most people, as you saw, thought he looked amazing, right? Career best, most people said. So the recency bias from that fight was driving the line for the DDP. I don't think there's any recency bias on this line because one of my ma- one, of, one of my guys, um, Captain service, was speaking, asked me a question on, on, on the DMs. He was talking about this fight, meaning we're going back and forth about Strickland and Dublessy, and he was like, is it bias, you know, in the line? I don't think there's any bias in this line. I feel like, you know, both fighters are massive underdogs in their last fights, and I think like the market is adjusted now. Pickham is, you know, around. Pickham is fairly accurate. Now, overall, I think Sean Strickland's going to win the fight. I like his defensives way better. I like his one twos down the pipe. I like his cardio a lot more. I like his experience at the UFC level more. I like his level of competition a little bit more. I, th- I like his experience in five-round fights a bit more. I just think he's the better put-together fighter, and I think that this is going to be the one where DDT fa- DDP fails. So I've been betting on Drikas Duplicy his entire UFC career. And again, this goes back to my literal point I just made, guys, and this is something that's very important. Yes, I can tell you he's going to win this fight, right? I can predict it. The best way you're going to learn from me the most Jewels you're ever going to take is when I tell you things like I just told you, is when I tell you things like I'm going to say in a minute. It's not who wins this fight. Because as soon as I tell you who wins this fight, after Saturday, the fight's over. They're never fighting again. The information is dead. But the information that I tell you how to cap a fight and how to read markets, that information is going to stay with you forever. And something I'm going to say about this fight, Sean Strickland versus Dricker's Duplessis is that so just stylistically i like him anyway i like that he's going to land the one twos There's something else which is basically the exact point i already told you everybody has been trying to bet against ddp and this is what i was going to say every everybody's trying to bet against ddp in his last five fights in the ufc i've been on the opposite side and betting on him basically every single time and if i don't bet on him i bet on the under which I've had massive bad beats on in the Tavares and the Darren Till fight. The unders didn't cash, even though the fight ended inside the distance on the Darren Till one and then the Tavares one. It just insanely went to decision, right? So I've been betting on Drickus Duplessis his entire career or I've been betting on the under, right? So I've been betting on him. While everybody else has been trying to fade him, this is why I tell you that going against the grain, being on an island is oftentimes good as long as you're a good capper and a smart guy. If you're on an island and you're a square, right? And all the sharp guys are on the other thing, but there are loads of them on that. Well, then you're just an idiot, most likely, right? But if you trust your own ability, if you know that you can cap a fight, well, then being on an island is good. Just like I said with the dricker's duplicy and Robert Whitaker, with the tweet, and just like I'm telling you now, I've been betting on dricker's his entire career while everybody has been trying to fade him. So try and find yourself on an island. Just make sure it's a sharp island. But I don't, this isn't a spot where I'm going to bait it. This isn't a spot where I'm gonna bet on Drickers duplicy and that's because I've been trying to. I've been betting on him his entire career. I've been winning money on him. I think this is the one where you hop off. I'm not saying bet Sean Strickland. I'm saying don't bet Drickers because I don't think at, my, at plus one twelve, plus one ten. I don't think there's a massive edge in the line here. Yes, he could land a big shot. Yes, maybe he's just destined to be champion. Maybe he can land something, but. I don't think that there's edge on the line here based on what we've seen. We haven't really ever seen Sean Strickland grapple-fucked, really. I mean, we've seen him taken down by Kamaru Usman a couple of times, but we've never never really seen him (laughs) grapple-fucked. So MMA Guru apparently has sent a lot of people to my... um, Jesus Christ. MMA Guru sent tons of people to my breakdown. So shout out to MMA Guru. I don't know if he watches my channel or if he just randomly did it. I'll have to go back and watch that. He's my fellow Englishman. So shout out to my man over there. Everybody coming in now from MMA Guru stream, if you want to earn money professionally from MMA, how the professionals do, then follow me. Don't have to sign up to my shit. You can see all of my free stuff. I'm going to teach you how to actually make money from MMA for free, completely free. So subscribe to my shit and watch my stuff and shout out to my man, MMA guru right there. I don't know why he's saying oink, oink, oink. Apparently he's a pig, but anyway, let's get back to the stream. So Sean Strickland versus Drickus Du Placé. I think Strickland is probably going to break him down the later the fight goes. I know Drickus Duplessis pushes through cardio well. We've seen it time and time again. He looks tired, but he pushes through, just like Alejandro Pantoja. You know, everyone says Alejandro Pantoja gasses, but then what happens? He gets murked. I mean, he carries on, right? He looks like he's going to die, but then he carries on. Now, if, it doesn't get into round three, four, five. <clears throat> I think dricker's Duplessis is probably the one who finishes. <clears throat> Fucking hell. <clears throat> Sorry, boys. <clears throat> Jesus. Something stuck in my mouth. <clears throat> so, I feel like if dricker's Duplessis finishes the fight... It's probably going to come in the early rounds, right? Round one, round two, like he did to Brunson. He still pushes through round three, but Sean is so good at mastering distance, mastering timing, pushing the pace that I think that he's going to be able to get a beat and a read on Dricus Duplassi. Don't forget that before Duplassi came into the UFC, we have seen him finished. We have seen him. We have seen him hurt and finished. Roberto Soldic finished him right in the rematch. He pushed the pace on him, pushed the pressure on him, and he finished him bad. So, you know, guys, that was in round three. So it's no surprise that in round three is when he lost and he got hurt and he got beat, right? It's no surprise that it was so long. It was no surprise that that's the round where he got finished in. So, look, overall, guys, I do think it's a close fight. It's very hard to bet against Dricker's duplicy, and the reason is because... The guy's just so dynamic, right? He's got power in every hand. He can take you down. He doesn't even know what he's going to do. So how do you know what he's going to do, right? But I do think that Sean is the better put put together fighter. And like I said, there's a lot of advantages for him in this fight. So I'm not really going to, I'm not really going to, I probably won't make a bet on this fight, guys, because there's one thing about picking a fight and there's another thing about betting on the fight. It's two completely different things right? And that's what people don't understand. Yes, you can pick who's going to win, but sometimes you bet on the opposite side. you bet on who you think's going to lose. And that's because the implied probability behind the line is off. And that's how we get edges over the MMA markets and the betting markets. We don't get edges by picking or betting on who we think's going to win. We get edges when we bet on when we think a line is inaccurate, right? And for any of the new viewers coming in through Guru's stream, understand that. My biggest piece of advice I can give to you is is that anybody doing this full-time, like myself or any other gambler out there who is full-time, the number one difference between us and anybody else who gambles on the sport is that we're not betting on who we think is going to win. We're betting on when we think the line is inaccurate. Oftentimes, that is the fight who we think is going to win, but sometimes it's not. Like, I wasn't really picking Dricker's Duplessis outright against Robert Whittaker, but I still bet on him because the line was inaccurate and I made a ton of money. It was one of my best bets of the year. So I just wanted to throw that in there for some of the new viewers coming in. Most of my regular viewers will know this, but overall, guys, the fight's very close, and I'm not going to make a prediction on. I'm not going to make a bet on the fight, but my prediction is that Sean Strickland wins the fight in round three, four, or five. I may actually throw a few sprinkles on Sean Strickland round three, four, five, and maybe I even cover myself with a Driggers duplicy inside the distance bet. Because I really don't think he's going to win a decision. What even does his decision look like? I mean, what does a Dricas decision look like? It probably looks like him getting takedowns, gassed in round four and round five. Maybe. Maybe. Right? Like, it's very hard for me to see Drickus win a decision here. So a good angle to take on this fight if you want to lay money on it, which again, as I said, is different than picking it, is maybe Sean Strickland late, because I feel like. Like, what, one way or another, I think this fight's going into round two, round three. Oh, well, I'll, I'll rephrase that, right? I feel like if it goes into round two or round three, now that it fav, it, it heavily favours Sean Strickland, so you pay Sean Strickland late plot props, but then you cover yourself with Dricker's duplancy to win inside the distance, or to win in round one or two, because I feel like after that, he's going to fall off a cliff a little bit. So I don't know the odds for that yet. Let me check the under. What's the under set up? I feel like it's going to be sharp. I really do. So the under is set at 1.5 rounds, at my, but over 1.5 is minus 225. So I'd like to see some alternate unders for this one. I don't really know how we're going to attack it. I don't think the fight sees the scorecards for sure. If they give us a minus 200 or something, which they probably won't, guys. It might be like minus 300 or minus 400. I would need to see the alternate totals. Um, oh, we might have it. So... The fight doesn't go to decision, is minus 325 here. If we get an under-three and a half, it might not be the worst, the worst bet. Under three and a half for like minus 140 or something. But overall, guys, I think the best way to play it is Dricus early and Sean late. If you cover yourself with Dricus winning early and Sean winning late, you're probably going to cash some money. And I may even do it. I may go crazy and play Drickus in rounds one, two, three, and Sean in round three, four, five, for a total of two or three units or something, actually lay a lot of money down on the fight to end inside the distance specific rounds. That may be my angle. So that's it, guys. That's the breakdown for the fight today. <clears throat> MMA land movements asking a question here. He's saying, it's possible it's a lower, vo- a lower volume scrap early is my only worry. Yeah, and like I said, like, it probably does come down to whether like what type of pace Sean pushes. Because in the first round, he just let Abbas Magomedov tee off on him. And then he pushed the pace in round two and he got the finish. Whereas DDP can tee off for more than one round. DDP may tee off for two rounds, which means that Sean may just kind of show up for two rounds and then start pushing the pace in the third round. But then we've only got seven and a half minutes to catch the under. So, yeah, I'm not like I'm not loving the under three and a half. I was kind of just, you know, fear like I was thinking what would be a good line or maybe what we what, what we could play. Thinking out loud, I should say. So yeah, man. Sean early or Dricas late. No, the other way around. Dricas early or Sean late. So that's what I'm thinking at the moment. Well, we'll see, man. Does anybody have any questions about this card? I'll answer a few questions before I jump off. If you're if you're a new viewer from MMA Guru, shout out to him again. As I've said a few times now, new people to the channel is always welcomed. My channel is not only about breaking down MMA fights. My channel is also about helping you become a winning MMA gambler. So if you like that type of stuff, Then you can subscribe and you can ask me questions in this chat right now. If there's any new viewers and you want to know some questions about MMA gambling, not just MMA predictions, then let me know. Because I always like to educate. That's the goal of the channel since I started is to educate what we say. And when I look out my window, I can see the horrible effect of climate change, snow all over the place again. It's hot where I am, bro. So maybe there is climate change, but you go and have fun in that snow because I'm about to get a tan after this. This is legitness. Hey eh, my guy. Shout out to you, bro. What's up, Lucrative? Doing well, brother. So, what other questions we got? Cameron Simon versus Joshua Van, who wins? I take Joshua Van. Very great fight, man. Jesus. Yeah, for sure. Same here. My only worry is if Sean is low volume early, like you said. Yes. Agree. Chill with the weed. <clears throat> I know, bro. I took a page out of your book last night and now I'm done. Yo, James, we need a max bet soon, you're deaf due. Yeah, that's a fact. I need to do that. MMA spammers, hit the like. Yeah, bro, if you're here, hit the like. One of the best in the game right here, Lucrative MMA. Appreciate you, brother. Can I get a link to the James Krause Discord? We don't need the James Krause Discord. You got the James Blissett Telegram, bro. Free Telegram for you. t.me slash tips. Don't worry about James Krause. Worry about James Blissett. I'm, that's where I'm dropping the drools. Read the dono. You yeah, need to read the donor. Kendrick's Goat in time. Ton- I didn't even see the donation, bro, because there were so many comments. So, yeah, thank you, bro. Thanks for the donation. I appreciate it. That $1.99 is going to go to my chicken and chips later this evening. Some Nando's for me. You know, Nando's the best food in the world. I don't want no Americans... I mean, we should have some English from MMA guru that needing to agree that Nando's is the best in the world, man. So I'm about to have that a little bit later. So Sean doesn't have the lateral lateral movement for DDP's pace. Yeah, okay. So that's a good, that, that, that is actually a good piece of analysis, right? DDP's going to push the pace so heavily that Sean's going to need to avoid the pace, right? And obviously a good way to avoid any type of striking pace is lateral movement, you know, dancing around it. But it's not the only way, right? Sean has developed a very unique style in MMA to where, yes, he does push the pace himself, but he he almost he, he almost fights in like a Floyd Mayweather type stance in the fact that he will even shoulder roll, he will turn at times. I mean, we saw in the Jared Cannonier fight who pushes a hell of a pace. He was he was taking a lot of those shots on his gloves, parrying a little bit, taking a lot of shots on like he was ducking and diving. He's actually very good defensively. Now, of course, he's going to let DDP meet him in the middle. So he definitely could get knocked out. But it's not as if Sean's going to, you know, Sean's lack of lateral movement is like a new thing for him, right? It's like his whole style is to have a lack of lateral movement. And he's based the defensive posture around that style. So it's not like he's got no lateral movement and also no defensive. He actually has no lateral movement for the most part, but very, very good defensives in MMA. But overall, your overall point is correct. I just gave the context to it, but your overall point is correct in that he is going to meet DDP in the middle. DDP ain't going to have to go looking for him. And for a guy who hits as hard as DDP with a dynamic finishing ability, it's not the best style in the world to fight DDP. I do agree. Thoughts on Magni and best picks of the card. Um, so I was I picked Mike Mallott, best picks of the card. I like Evloev against Allen, I actually do. I tend to do several one-pound bet money line parlays up to five pounds. Is it better to do one bet five pounds on a smaller parlay? Let me read that again, bro. I tend to do several one-pound bet money line parlays up to five pounds. Is it better to do one bet five pounds on a smaller parlay? Yeah, it's better, bro. At the end of the day, five pounds. I know that you ain't struggling that bad as to where five pound is going to kill you, up, uh, gonna kill you, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have internet connection. You wouldn't be on the stream, right? Yes, it's probably better to just do one parlay, bro. I mean, you ain't going to get much money from one pound, right? So five pound is five times your money. What do you bet on? All sports, but I'm an MMA gambler through and through. But I also work with other professionals in different sports because I can't cap other sports. I'm an idiot in tennis. I'm an idiot in basketball. I'm an idiot in baseball, but I'm smart in MMA. So I stick to MMA. And for the other sports, I just follow other people who are smart. Thoughts on Magni, I've already said that. If you bet Strickland late and cover with Drickus early, don't they cancel each other out? I mean, that doesn't really make sense to cancel each other out because it all comes down to the odds, right? It's, it's all, it all just comes down to the odds. If I'm placing five bets, but the odds are all plus 1,000, well, then they don't cancel each other out because plus 1,000 is 10 to 1, but I've only placed five bets, right? But I've got a 10 to 1 chance to hit each bet based on the implied probability. Maybe the implied probability is wrong. But if one of them hits, then I will win. If it goes to a decision, I'll lose all of them. But if one of them hits, if they're all 10 to 1, And I've placed five bets. If one of them hits, I've won. And I've won a lot of money if I stake each the same. So they don't cancel each other out. It's not to do with the amount of bets you have or what bets you have. It's to do with the odds, right? You can't cancel yourself out based on what bets you have. It's based on the odds that you are betting. Nando's is trash. I'm from the UK. Bravo! We need to revoke your passport for that. They have Nando's out here. Go to Nando's and tell me how you... um, Tell me if you like it. Sean pivots sometimes to get away from strikes while staying in range. Yeah, exactly. And he's very good at blading off on the angle. So even though he's right in front of you, he still blades off in front of the angles. He parries the jab and he uses his jab as kind of like a defense as well. So he's definitely, yeah, he's very unique in his defensive game. Nando's isn't actually chicken. They breed rats in a cellar. They can breed rats in a cellar, but they have chicken. I know I'm eating chicken, bro. I mean, I hope for rats tasty, though. Rats are tasty if you're right. Does DDP get any takedowns and how does Strickland look on the ground in defense? Yeah, a very, very good. A very, very good um, question, you know, and it's one that I can't necessarily answer. I tend to think that DDP will get like one, but I think that Strickland gets straight back up. And so then he doesn't shoot again. That's my gut feeling is that he, he, he does shoot. He does get one. But Strickland gets back up and DDP's like, I ain't going to shoot more because I don't want to gas out early. Because I feel like if DDP just continuously shoots, he's just going to gas out. So that's my gut feel. But it is possible that he takes him down and lands some good ground and pound. And then, you know, maybe because he had a lot of success, maybe takes him down again. It really comes down to that. Like, put it this way, does does DDP get takedowns? Yes, obviously you can knock him out on the feet early to which you won't get takedowns. I actually think he can get a takedown and I think he probably does, right? Unless he lands a knockout early round one or something, of course, right? But yes, I think if the fight plays out, I do think he, if the fight plays out, I think he gets a takedown. I I think that for sure. Now, I don't know how Sean's going to respond to that takedown. That's where I'm questioning. If Sean responds really well and gets back up to his feet, then I don't think DDP shoots again really or, or, or he doesn't push it as much. If he takes him down and kind of dominates him on the ground and lands a few elbows, then Sean gets back up. Then I think we see DDP get two, three, four takedowns. I think he gets loads. So, yeah, it really depends. Guru's saying he hit a 10, well, one 10 fight, a one pound 10 fight parlay once and got 140 pounds. Nice, bro. Strickland round five was plus 1500 on bet online. That's dog shit. Yeah, bet online is not really an accurate book for a lot of props, like round props and stuff like that. Like. The majority of the market will be much better than 1,300. So we'll we'll definitely be able to get much better. But yeah, man, that's dog shit. How many 10 leg parlays did you lose to do that? Yeah, I see. Thanks. All right, so that's it, guys. I think I'm going to kick off now. Um, Like I said, anybody watching this who wasn't subscribed to the channel who came in from the guru, subscribe to the channel if you want to learn out how to bet on MMA for free. And that's it, man. We got another another card for us in store this weekend. I can't wait. UFC 297 is a go. As I said last week, we came back with good LFA picks, good LFA bets, good UFC picks, some shit ones as well, but some good ones overall. We won money, and um, yeah, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to continue it. It's two winning events in a row. It's 2-0 and oh on events so far. We haven't lost, undefeated in 2024. Only early days, boys. But yeah, we're smashing it in um, in the tennis group as well. If you want to join the tennis group, you can type in t.me slash lucrative rackets tips or just scroll up on my Twitter or type in lucrative mma tennis on twitter and you'll find the link to the group we've been killing it lots of tennis wins i think we are something crazy like 11 and 2 in our last 12, uh, 13 so yeah that's it guys i'm off hopefully we can come back with another winning winning week last week uh next week great stream thanks mate hit the like everybody here hit the like nice sub my man sub appreciate that music saying i think sean could be up Open to a one-two left high kick the way he leans. Nice, bro. Needs to needs to go back and catch up. Only jumped in from the MBS breakdown. Yeah, go back and catch up and let me know what you think post-fight in the comments, bro. I do read the comments. Don't always get time to reply to them or I'm just a bit lazy at the time. When I read them, I browse them. I don't reply. But I do read them and I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so definitely let me know what you think. I made one unit last week. Not the great start. Username saying interesting takes, but what are the odds that my dad says he's proud of me at some point in his life? The odds depend on if you sign up with my service or if you go to lucrativemmabetting.com and watching my free video on there and signing up with me, getting paid with me, becoming a multimillionaire, buying your dad a house, and then he's going to say he's proud of you. If you just click off this video do not subscribe, do not like, and never watch me again, never earn any real money from MMA because of that, then your dad will never say he's proud of you. And with that, I'm out, boys. Good luck on your bets this weekend. You'll find me doing the parlay stream in a couple of days, Friday, 2 p.m. NZST, and a bunch of content on Instagram, Twitter, all of that good stuff. See you later, boys. Bang!